you know it's been hard not to face this topic with some type of research it's like currently i've been looking into the situation as it relates to hamas gaza palestine israel benjamin netanyahu united states britain um going all the way back to the ottoman empire going all the way back to the philistines within the bible um understanding these stories taking place within israel um there's a lot that comes up you know you look at the political sphere that we're currently in as it relates to these topics and everything gets blown up so quickly and it creates these barriers which side are you on who are you representing are they freedom fighters are they terrorists are they anti-semitic they're zionists you know we look at these terms and we want to categorize people into boxes in order to establish emotions about them create these emotions and then harbor certain actions to inflict pain or damage on them title them in a way that makes them seem like they're not human do inhumane things in order to justify actions you know we look at this story playing out currently and it's unfortunate what took place on October 7th at the Supernova Music Festival. Probably one of the most heinous things I've ever seen. Most malicious, maniacal ways to come in and kill people who more than likely wanted a two-state solution, who they were trying to enjoy themselves on a Shabbos. And it just, you can't really understand it. It's hard to understand this mentality from a Western standpoint. I know I've studied terrorism literally in my master's program. I've studied Islam in my master's program. Studied from people much smarter than I, providing insight into different aspects of what takes place. As we look at jihad, for example, and we look at... um, this concept of radicalism within terrorism. And it just, it, it, you know, you look at these stories, you look at how um, originally Gaza's gone back and forth, you know, the Egyptians ran it for a while. You know, they, they had solutions where Egyptians could come in and work in Gaza, create kind of livelihoods. Then, you know, after the Palestinian-Israeli war, is um, the Israelis took over Gaza and then continually fighting war um, in 2000, I think in seven. Then um, Israel would then turn over Gaza to Hamas. You know, creating this whole term of an of an open, the largest open air prison. You know, whenever you look at Gaza within the last ten years, you know, it's taken a lot of hits and. They've been wedged in between a situation that they didn't ask to be in. 
you know, you look at the nature of Hamas and what they've done there, you know, it's, it's pretty profound. I'm going to go ahead and play a clip for you for um, a clip by an individual. Um, his name is Musab Yusuf. He wrote the book, Son of Hamas. He is actually, his father was one of the founders of Hamas going back to 1987. And he wrote a book that really laid out a very interesting perspective and I think anyone who is interesting in it, add this book to the list along with 50 other documentaries and it provides insight into this conflict. But I'm going to go ahead and play a clip where he's talking to the UN, I think it was probably back in 2014, talking about Hamas then. Leaderships of the Palestinian people, my people by the way, and I have the authority to say this, if they disown me, if they label me as a traitor, they can say whatever they want to say. I sacrificed a lot for the sake of Palestine, of Islam, even of Hamas. I spent 27 months in Israeli prisons. I grew up witnessing the first Palestinian Intifada, and I had no idea what was going on. As a child, I was fed with hatred that Israel was our enemy, and Israel was the source of our suffering. While the Palestinian leaderships, from Yasser Arafat to Mahmoud Abbas to Abu Jihad, all of them were sitting in Tunisia, spending billions of dollars. In the meantime, they were sending children to die, throwing stones, facing Israeli soldiers. I was one of them. They used us. They sent us to the slaughterhouse. They wanted us to die. The shepherd thought, how many sheep I'm going to sacrifice today to get the attention of the world so maybe we get some more funds. So they decided to slaughter a hundred sheep, two hundred sheep. Then Hamas came later on, twenty years later. And they did the same thing, using children and women as a human shield in Gaza Strip. So I played that because this is Masab Hansa Yusuf and an individual who grew up in Palestine, his father. And it, I'm, just, I'm just putting this out there because it provides insight. You know, we don't really have anybody in the Western world speaking from the identity of being a part of Hamas. And whenever you have Hassan Yusuf, um, the, one of the founders of Hamas, and his son really talking about those points, it, it provides a different insight. And I think the whole situation is trying to understand what's going on. Obviously, we know that the turmoil that has taken place, but this is taken back in 2014 where you have um, Mazab talking about what was happening in Israel, talking about Palestine, talking about the Gaza Strip, and identifying these different connections with money. But... Whenever we look at this situation, I mean, it's, you know, it is a situation where nobody, it's almost like everybody is really focusing on the good and the evil, but in all reality, um, both sides' hands are not clean, and the conflict is really escalating, and we look at it based on conversations that are taking place. You know, you look on social media, you look at these these universities, people are saying free Palestine. You know, you look at 
some of these demonstrations that took place afterwards. You know, the massacre happened on Saturday and demonstrations took place on Sunday. And it's 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 perpetual uh, misunderstanding. It's it's a lack of trust that is really getting through to this point. Because when you're name calling, if I'm calling you names, if I'm identifying you as a certain type of whatever, you know, I'm not looking at you as a human being, same as I. I'm, I'm, I'm identifying that there's no more trust there. And I think whenever we look at the situation within Gaza, Israel, we can identify that there's, there's just no trust between these groups. There's been failed attempts. There's been assassination attempts. You know, also no trust in the media. It's like right now within society, what, what the undertone tells me is people don't trust the media. Um, you look at this story with the hospital bombing and different narratives already taking place, you know, narratives over facts. And people want to adhere to it because they don't trust the system and they want to react based on their emotions. Right now, it looks like we are in a society where people are allowing their emotions to dictate different outcomes. It's like people have to be able to look at this and understand that there's a lot more um, than the conflict that took place on Saturday. You know, there's, there, there's a history and there's a history of mistrust going back for thousands of years, being taught in school, being built in different ideologies on both sides you know you look at the people of the west bank you know when we talk about the west bank there's no fence around the west bank hamas is not in the west bank um you know we look at gaza gaza is completely isolated obviously calling it the most largest open air prison in the world and you you can't identify that there's not human rights atrocities not taking place in gaza you are not allowing men and women to focus on the future have hope, provide for their family, have food. All of these things we take for granted every day. How are you going to tell me that's not going to push you to potentially be radicalized? You know, we look at power in a vacuum. Hamas in itself, having billions of dollars funded through Iran, potentially Qatar, whoever. You know, you look at that money and you put that money in a situation like Gaza, you give those individuals a need. You give those young men a purpose who have nothing. They can't find jobs. They can't find work. They can't have the simple function of providing through family. And Hamas says, here, take this money. Go throw stones at that tank. Um, it creates in a vacuum. Individuals who are, who are probably ravenous for some type of justification. You know, the problems that face Gaza are ones that could could turn any individual to that point. And I'm not trying to justify anything. It's just you got to understand context, facts over narratives. Because that's the only way we come out of these situations on top. You have to have the facts. The narratives are always going to breed mistrust. All right? We look at what happened with Yitzhak Raban, who was the former prime minister who helped create the Oslo Accords back in Camp David with... Um, Bill Clinton, you know, he was assassinated, right? He was assassinated in a demonstration in Israel from a far-right Israeli um, person, assassinated him because of the Oslo Accords. The fear 
mistrust. It comes down and it creates these types of situations. And I think that's really what happens. And fear and mistrust is a representation of a traumatized people. Both sides traumatized. Severely. Young men, young women, adults, grandparents, on both sides have been traumatized. Going all the way back to World War II. Going back to whenever you have the concepts of Zionism being created in the 1890s, facilitated like individuals with Winston Churchill, you have those things taking place. I'm not justifying facts over narrative. This is all information you can find. Everything I'm telling you isn't this diluted story of grandeurs. I'm just saying a traumatized people enact their trauma in different ways. And we're seeing traumatized people do that. We're seeing individuals who feel like they have nothing no hope you know you can't tell me if i said hey go live in gaza i'll pay you a million dollars to go live there for one year if anybody would go live there for one year it would be really tough decision to make if i said here's a million dollars go live in the west bank you'd say okay cool that's that'll be a lot easier than living in gaza there's a reason for that you know there's and, and you look at the individuals coming out of gaza and they have nothing to lose. And if you want to create the perfect terrorist environment, it's Gaza, you know. And I'm saying this because it, it's, it's providing context. You know, we look at those stories and we're trying to understand it and make sense of it. And my ultimate feeling is it's, it's, it's both sides have been traumatized. These people don't trust one another, and they feel like their only option, potentially, or is violence to civilians, violence for terrorist organizations, and it's going to escalate. It's escalating right now, you know, but I, I think really my point that I'm trying to convey is keep a rational thought process, you know. Focus on what is true. And, and I think we need to determine the difference between facts and narratives moving forward where we are not allowing our emotions to dictate outcomes. We're not, you know, the stories that are being presented with no media. And honestly, I don't even know what I can say, if it makes sense or if this is ramblings, but I'm still trying to articulate my thoughts within this whole situation. It's tough. And it's tough. And... I appreciate you guys listening if you've listened this long, and I hope you've gotten some out of this. So thank you so much.